Hi everyone, welcome to episode 28 of The Green Room. Uh, I'm here with Nick, who is on camera. Hello James. And uh, and Harry, we've got as well, who's still off camera. I mean, like, why ruin the uh, the illusion? Okay, fine. Um, and uh, so we've we've been going for a while, and we've been sort of bringing our energy-saving news to people and how you improve the energy efficiency of your home. Uh, and so we're going to continue with that today. Uh, Nick? Can I make a point? You can. So to the feedback on the sound. So uh, we're going to look a little bit unnatural when we make eye contact, but the key thing is that we, I'm not. That we will um, try and focus the way we speak onto the microphones direct so the sound comes across in a more consistent manner for you. And we may, we may get new microphones, maybe for Christmas. Yes, if Santa is very good to us. Or, yeah. or a new sound engineer, anyone? Or a new sound, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, anyway, right, if you, if you want to listen to a previous podcast um, or watch us, in fact, how, how would you go about that, Nick? The best way and the only way, well, not the only way, but my way, is I go on to the Green Age website, so that's www.thegreenage.co.uk. At the top, we have the link to our podcast. I open that link and then up pops up various methods of how we can be listened to or watched to. Just because you're speaking into the microphone in a weird way doesn't mean you need to speak in a weird way. <laughs> No, it's just that that was quite a poignant point. That is so I just, just how he talks. I, I would just emphasise it a bit more. You know, okay, good. The, Sorry, the continue. So they're on the Green Edge website. Yes, and you can go on to uh, Podbean, uh, TuneIn Radio, Apple uh, iTunes, no, Podcast. Apple Podcast, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's clearly done, again, done have an Apple product. Or you can go on to Spotify. James, do you have an Apple product? I do. I've got a new iPhone. I'm very, very... <laughs> hasn't stopped talking about it. There's another one. I forget, but... Stitcher? Stitcher. That's it. And how would you watch us? On YouTube. Yeah. Um, so you can go and see, see us. See my very colourful popular, Very shirts. popular mode, yes. And you can ask us questions down there below. Comments. Comments and questions. We do We do actually come back to comments and questions. And also we like the comments and questions. They're not always Even if they're negative. Yeah, yeah. We, we like negative. Absolutely. Yeah. I leave those ones. Um, right, so we're episode 28. So what are we talking about today? The headline is, so we had, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday actually. Yesterday... Uh, we are in the midst of a, a general election uh, in a few weeks' time, so obviously we're having lots of different policies coming coming out. And what was that, what was that lady called? Who's like, oh, not again? When last time the election, uh, this? I know exactly who you, know, who you mean, but I've got no idea what her name. Oh, was. The, not another the, one. The silly, yeah. wo- the silly woman, the one no, with Gordon just, Brown. No, no. no. Anyway, right, sorry. It's a meme, Continue. really. Oh, okay. So it's it's about Labour's energy policy plans because they were quite, uh, when you look to the figures and stuff, quite ambitious plans about um, uh, the, the ways forward for energy efficiency and uh, I guess targeting uh, the, the homes and leaky homes, uh, energy inefficient homes and trying to bring up those energy efficiency standards. So the purpose of the podcast, or a lot of the podcasts we spent just going through that, but also uh, I don't think there was a lot of new stuff in there, but it was just, I think, more money promised towards it because we're going to talk about the Green Deal. Well, it's, it, it is the Green Deal in, the, in its process, but it has got a new name. What is a new name? 
the new name. So, the, so Labour's new policy is called work, Warm Homes for All, right? And, and what they're pledging, if they were to win the election, um, is to provide energy-saving upgrades. Uh, so things like loft insulation, draft-proofing, new double glazing, new heating systems, uh, in an effort to reduce our carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've got our carbon neutral target as a country now by 2050. Mm-hmm. But they just want to cut everything by 10%, so our carbon uh, emissions by 10% in the next sort of 10 or so years. So by 2030, by the 2030s? Yes. Would you even would you describe them as the 30s now? I don't know. Okay, anyway, right, it's yet to happen. But anyway, so by so in about 10 years they want to cut it by 10%. Because, so that's uh, a big plan. Yeah, because because currently at, at the moment, um, the policy for uh, the current government is it's been very f- focused towards uh, the, the combustion side. So in terms of boilers and heating systems, mm-hmm. um, very little on on the insulation, which is fair to say. Yeah, and we like a fabric first policy, don't we? So very good. Very good on that. Yeah. But let's, um, before we go on to the specifics of their policy, why don't we talk a little bit about the Green Deal? Okay, so the Green Deal... I know it's one of your favourite things to yeah, talk about. Yeah, no, I do. I enjoy the Green Deal. So the Green Deal was launched in uh, the early 10s. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. In about 2011. And basically, the, the idea behind this was, it was a revolutionary uh, concept that you would... Uh, get energy-saving measures installed in your property, and these would be paid for by energy savings created on your energy bills. So, for example, if I put a new boiler in, so I've got an old boiler and it costs me, I don't know, a £1,000 a year for my heating bill. Right? I put a new boiler in, and it decreases my heating bill to about 800 quid. So, therefore, in theory, I've got saving of £200 a year. Mm. So, what they're doing is they're taking those savings annually and basically using that to pay for the boiler costs. Yeah. So that that was the basis. Now, <clears throat> it was limited by this thing called the Golden Rule. The right. Golden Rule said, if you go to one of your ever first, first ever videos... Go on. ...that you could not... So in terms of the help that you receive from the Green Deal fund or finance... Yeah. ...could not be more than the expected lifetime savings of that measure in the first place. Yes. So what that means is, so say for instance... Uh, what you've just said, so the boiler is £200 a year saving. Mm-hmm. The life of the measure is 12 years. Yeah. So if you take one number, multiply by the other, you get... don't know. I wasn't really two, listening two, to the numbers you were talking about. £2,400? Yes, you do. Yes. So I did maths, maths A-level. Very good. I didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So two £2,400 uh, would go towards the borrowing cost of installing that new heating system. Now, the, the problem with that is... You go, well, actually, you know, in terms of when we were talking about boilers, it roughly cost that to swap out a boiler. Yeah. However, the, the problem is interest. So Well, it was interest and setup fees. Yes. So to organize someone to get uh, to get this boiler installed, to get a finance company to do that, it's about 700 quid yeah. just to do the paperwork around yes. it. So suddenly, of my 2,400... And that's before you even go into the interest. Yeah, exactly. You don't get a huge amount. And, and the there were two interest terms within it. So one was 12 years for measures, as you say, like boilers and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then for the bigger measures like uh, insulation, they were 25 years. Yes. So if the interest rate is bad over 12 years, it's bloody awful over 25 years. 
And so by the time you look at it, actually the funding you got towards it, despite the energy savings potentially being quite big, meant you got very, very little help. And also it's worth pointing out, so uh, that's an extremely, extremely ambitious saving figure for swapping out a boiler. Yes. On an average size house. So so actually, in reality, you probably see, say, 25 or £30 pounds a year. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's what a lot of people don't realise. I think the the bit that they didn't take into account was the potential future energy price rises. Mm. So they were assuming that over those 12 years, energy prices would stay the same. And already, energy prices are considerably higher than they were. And we expect those to continue to go up as... You know, different mechanisms and different processes are in place to replace our uh, the energy supply within our uh, within our grid, I suppose. Well, Labour's planned uh, projects that they're going to go down if uh, if we do all this. Well, they they could right if if we increase energy efficiency. So if we go with our you know envelope first um, sort of mechanism, i.e., we're trying to increase the energy efficiency of walls and roofs and windows and that sort of thing i.e we keep the heat in then potentially they would come down heating bills would come down led lighting another it's a real easy thing to do Mm. and it can make big savings yeah um the the issue is the actual cost of buying the energy is going up so despite the fact you use less of it the price to buy in the first place is increasing and that's where the issue lies so basically just just to summarize for the green door in in theory you know from from the headlines when when they launched it in the tens Mm -hmm. as you said um a novel measure or sorry a novel policy but in in principle as you know we we did i mean we did hundreds and hundreds of these green deal assessments and and when we got to the to the point when people were discussing about the Green Door plans, yeah, just when they saw the setup costs and the complexity of it, people just dropped out, and in yeah. the end, the take up rate was really low. So I think, I think there were other reasons it fell as well. So number one was the interest rates were high. Yes. So that was bad, um, but also so lack of funding because of the savings were smaller than people would have thought. Yes. Interest rates were high, but also you've got you're putting. Uh, the this loan onto your energy bill, right? So you're putting onto your energy meter. So when you come to sell your property, someone else is taking on this loan. So so actually, if if it's a in the private rental sector, it, it works if the policy was simple enough, and you know mm-hmm. you could borrow up to the saving measure until the person comes to sell a house. Until you, but in the in the sorry, not the private rental, but the owner occupied sector. Yes, it's because you you know you, you get more how do you say turnover of of properties. Yes, uh, you would have to potentially within a say a decade period. Yeah, it. it the, but if a mortgage company, so if I go to a bank and ask for a mortgage, and they say, right, you know, you're you're buying a house here, and there is an interest, you know, there's some finance attached to that house, mm. you would obviously be a little bit nervous because you're like, okay, well, what what is that? And then they explain yes. it, and you know, you might use your house very differently so you might actually want it at 30 degrees all the time and have it doesn't quite work i think they would be very nervous and we came across unless you get mass unless you get mass adoption but we didn't get mass adoption so it would scare a lot of people no so it basically in the end the green deal didn't work yes yeah but and then yeah it didn't didn't work and it was and it was re how do you say repackaged and by the time you know, it was repackaged, and and the people that repackaged it saw how complex it was, and you couldn't really do anything yeah. unless you changed the law behind it. But it, but it was all about this concept of putting a loan on the electricity meter rather than the individual 
in, rather than the individual, right? And that that is the fundamental thing here. So rather than me trying to go and get a loan on myself, it's all about being on the electricity meter. So therefore, whoever is using that home, whoever is using the heating or the electricity is paying for these measures. Mm-hmm. And that is the basis, moving back to where we are now, of Labour's Warm Homes for All Energy Plan. Yes. They want to take advantage of this idea. Yes, so that's that's one element to it. So they've, they've, they've talked about... Um, the predicted savings basically being able to use to, to pay for it. They've also talked about uh, means testing. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically people that are in, in the lowest kind of income brackets, which are yet to, to sort of be defined, uh, the, the the policies uh, and obviously the packages they put together would be quite favorable uh, for take up in, in, um, for those people. But then if you can actually afford it, um, then they would offer like in Scotland, if, if I'm, if I'm not, uh, wrong uh just just obviously long term but uh low interest loans no which interest are, loans zero interest loans which is how it should be that is a brilliant way to get all this stuff installed you know because that, that's really encouraging it people are still going to pay it back yeah but you're not restricted by this golden rule which is this kind of mechanism that we're locking people out i guess the issue is some people won't be able to get the loans because their credit history won't be sufficient and so you're locking some people out of getting... But but most of the people whose credit history aren't sufficient would be in the lower bracket anyway. So I mean, it's so they get the, so they they get the, the means-tested grant. Yeah, exactly. And the way that it's split up, you know I love a fact and figure. Yes. Um, so the total uh, cost that they projected for this, um, for all 27 million homes in the UK, is uh, £250 billion. Pounds. Um, £60 billion of that would go to grants for the lower income bracket. Um, and you know that's, that's but gone. this is over so this is so 250 billion yeah is over 10 years yeah but, so that's 25 billion pounds a year and yeah. our tax receipts is 700 billion that is a decent whack of our well this is their argument is that 60 million of it is is i mean 60 billion of it uh yeah fair enough gone the uh the other what 190 billion um, they they think that that's, that will be recouped um, of various different things. Jobs, we'll talk about that. Um, but uh, but also the, that 190 billion will all be in interest-free loans. So theoretically, it all comes back. So yeah. So for me, that's the elephant in the room. So when they've said uh, when they've talk, said the energy bills won't go up, but you either pay it through general taxation or you pay it through a levy. On, on the energy bills, which, which is what has happened in previous grants, right? So if you if you look if you ever get an energy bill through and you read it, if you look at the statement, it gives you sort of a pie chart, and it's it says the split between what your energy costs are, how much you're paying wholesale, all this sort of stuff, and then it says you know the green tariffs or the the bit you're contributing towards these kind of funds, and it is a little slice of it. Um, so I think you're right. I think that's probably where it would be. Mm. Uh, and that that becomes problematic, I guess, for some. Um, but for others, you know, very happy to pay it. Yeah, and um, I don't know then what I guess what would happen because so I've seen what Harry's briefed us. So they've talked about this would go towards installation of heat pumps and solar PV and stuff like that. So solar PV from one side, but on the heating side, uh, because already we've got the renewable heat incentive. Yeah, would that be in addition to 
the renewable heat incentive. Well, the renewable heat would incentive just, would that be the renewable heat incentive is essentially rewarding rich people who want to install, you know, energy efficient heating systems, isn't it? As far as I can tell, I think when when we spoke to the guys at as it previously was Deck who were setting this up, uh, they they all talked about when the initial brief came in. They were trying to find a way to increase uptake of energy efficiency. And someone in the room was like, well, you know, what about helping those in fuel poverty? They're like, no, no, we are trying to increase the uptake of energy efficient heating systems. So it's a pretty clear way that I would set up. If that was my brief, all I've got to do is try and increase the uptake. I'm basically giving people money to install these heating systems. So I imagine under this scheme, that would have to be canned. And we've had problems with the RHI anyway mm. in places like Ireland, where you know Northern the Ireland. yeah, where where it was just such a huge obligation, such huge payments that people were due to get, basically just got canned. It's because of biomass, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, I mean it was ridiculous. Uh, you know, you you hear about these chicken farmers who install biomass, and they're basically getting paid to produce heat. So why would you shut the windows? You make more money if you're opening windows. And so they would basically have the heaters on full blast, get paid more money. Just the whole thing stank. We have a whole episode on uh, on the RHI if anybody wants to go and have a look. Um, but anyway. But so, anyway, so was... let's just uh, uh, reel off, reel off the, the, the benefits. So in, in the manifesto pledge, um, so, so according to Labour, they believe that by, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 2030, be about four, uh, just under half a million jobs, so 450,000 million jobs. I, I think it's interesting how they split that up, though. 400 and, 450,000, uh, 100,000 jobs, but 250,000 skilled jobs in, in terms of fitting, yeah. insulation, plaster, carpentry, blah, 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 blah. But then t- 200,000 of the jobs they just said sort of across the economy, which... yeah. What? I guess that would be production, yeah. so man- manufacturing. Bit bit vague. Manufacturing. It is slightly vague, I'd say. Um, but that's that's the great thing about a manifesto. <laughs> you never have to deliver. You never have to. <laughs> well, that and there's not a huge amount of meat on the bone, I'd say. Mm. Anyway, so we've got four hundred and fifty thousand new jobs, which would be awesome. Yes. Right. Anywhere where we're producing new jobs is fantastic. Yes, we don't know quite where they're coming from, but just go with it. And it's fair to say, you know, when we went to EcoBuild in the first couple of years, and it was in the Excel Centre, it filled two massive halls full of, you know, energy-saving measures and that sort of thing. And then they, the government killed the solar feed-in tariff, and the, the you know, it suddenly became one hall, and then the following year it became even smaller than that. Yeah. So you can see that when the funding is there... And it's the same as everything, but as but soon as it gets abused, available, it gets abused. It does get abused, but it does increase the amount of installers pop up. You know, people. So, doing so tell the work. viewers about the and the listeners about the Green Deal Home Improvement Fund. So the Green Deal Home Improvement Fund was launched uh, about the same time as the Green Deal. So the Green Deal was a funding mechanism through your energy bill, which we've already talked about. The Green Deal Home Improvement Fund was a grant. Now, normally grants are means tested. The Green Deal Home Improvement Fund wasn't. Basically, what you had to do was get a certain percentage of your house covered in insulation or the new heating system, whatever, and you got a great big grant. Mm-hmm. Now, the big one that really worked was that there's external wall insulation, right? So if you were to put external wall insulation on more than 25% of your house, 
you could get a grant up to £6,000. So in terms of the abuse here, what people were doing was basically because they could get, if they charged £8,000, you would get a grant for 6000 right? So the customer would pay 2000 They could suddenly charge what would normally cost £2,000 to do a job. Oh, it's your coffee machine, off, but that's yeah. fine. Who was on turning off you the coffee machine duty? Time. So what was happening was they were charging £8,000 for a £2,000 job, knowing that the customer would still only pay the 2000 but they could pocket 6000 instead of £2,000. Yes. Um, and so... The other, because it wasn't means tested as well, everyone jumped onto it. You know, it was incredibly popular, and this thing lasted about four days when it launched. Yeah. And then they launched different tranches of funding, and these launch, lasted four a day, literally a day. So it was, it was boom and bust. And it was basically a boom and bust uh, type. Very setup, much basically. so. Very much so. And the and the problem is, you know, the the energy saving industry, the the kind of insulation industry, the heating industry, they don't have fantastic reputations anyway. And when you have schemes like that, obviously you see massive uptake, which is in principle a good idea. But the guys are setting up companies because they know funding is going to come along. They take all these grants, they abuse the sort of customers' um, relationships, essentially. Goodwill, understanding. Yeah, put all the money in their Oversell pocket. Oversell it. And then they close the company. Yeah. And again, it doesn't need to be done this way, but government policy, <sighs> another time, they just fail time and time again but for me I, I think that Green Deal Home Improvement Fund I think the the benefit was set too high so I, I what I would have done is I would have said right okay so if you want to do external insulation or internal insulation you get a thousand pounds yes then at least there's some sort of incentive to do it yeah agreed or you get 10% of the cost of the works yes right which is really simple everyone can understand it I know that it's still open to fraud to a certain extent because suddenly the works becomes more expensive but if I get 10% of it and I'm a customer, I would shop around and I would go with, you know, if I get three quotes and go the middle quote, because I'm not too, it's not the most expensive, then you should be paying the, the kind of right amount and you get 10% back. And that mm. kind of works for everyone. But uh, I, and, I the, and the economics of external insulation work, because we know if you, if you add 100 mil insulation to the external or, or the internal uh, face of your property, it's going to have a massive impact on your heating bills. And, and if, well, we know energy prices are rising, they're effectively doubling in cash terms every seven, eight years. So, mm -hmm. you know, with a bit of benefit, you said the 10%, you put the measure in, you will actually see the economic return on that. And, and actually, if you do external, you'll also get a facelift and um, external improvement to the look of your property as well. This, um, this kind of fabric-first approach that, the, that Labour are taking... Um, uh, on as well as kind of a renewable generation um, encouragement is is all kind of ties together two of the big things that I think they think voters are concerned about, which is climate change and energy bills. Mm -hmm. So they've managed to kind of put those together in this policy in that it's not just about cheaper energy, it's about less energy. But, mm -hmm. but, but the other thing they're missing again, and I talk about this every week, is they're going to, they're pushing... So yes, they're looking for the to increase the efficiency of the envelope, thermal envelope, but they're also looking at electric heating systems, so things like heat pumps, that sort of thing. Now, unless you're producing your electricity from solar or wind turbines, you are basically getting electricity on the whole from either nuclear or gas. 
But do you not think that we need to be looking forward to um, to a future where more of our energy comes from electricity? Do you not think if we put the infrastructure in place now, if we put them in a electric heating systems in homes now, then we'll be in a much better place in 10, 15 years when we have better battery storage and we're able to do more with electric generation? Um, 100%, 100% in 10 or 15 years. But, but I it's going to take that long to put it in. It may well do, but if I, I can go and get an electric heating system put in today, and it costs me four times more to run than a gas central heating system. Right? It depends so on the heating system, not if it's a heat pump, not if it's okay, a Okay, but do you have system. a spare £10,000 to put in a heat pump? No, that's why Labour are giving it to you. Right, exactly. But, the, but this is it, but it won't, right? the, the, the point is, that's not really going to be relevant for, you know, the urban or, or certainly even some suburban homes heat pumps because you won't have the space exactly I, I i think as soon as you look at heating systems i think it becomes a really really tricky situation because yes 10 years you're right 10 years we should be looking for we should all be installing electric heating systems but why oh why would i do that if it costs me four times more to run it right now today? i think they're playing the long game here i think they're get, i think they're trying to prepare the the houses for for the if, if um, that's the case, sorry to interrupt, but if that's the case, then energy poverty, which is all based on how much you earn and the cost of energy bills, etc., etc., where we have a number now in the UK of people in energy poverty. I believe it's 2.55 million in England in so 2016. There's 2.55 million. If everyone moves to electric heating and they suddenly fall into energy poverty, you do not want to be a Labour government that does that. Right? So you don't want that to go up to 4 million people on your watch? But it's not like they're putting in... They're not putting in electric radiators. They're not putting in stuff like that. They're putting in, um, like I say, heat pumps, solar panels, insulation. But where does the funding go? No, insulation on board with. Yeah. 100% on board with insulation. Right? But where does the money come? And I know it's grants. I know we've talked about where the money is going to come from. But I... I think it's hugely expensive to install that, and I think it'll throw a whole load more people into energy poverty by doing that in the short term. And yes, you know, longer term, I think it's a fantastic idea. But right now, it's going to hurt people. Um, so do okay. Going back to this, I think as a concept, it's not a bad idea. So there's going to be grant systems for people who are in energy poverty and who are in particular low income, you know, households. Uh, there is going to be uh, a finance-free loan, sorry, finance-free, interest-free mm-hmm. loan for those who can afford to pay for these measures. Which will have to be funded from somewhere. It'll have to be funded from somewhere, but if they can get that and then they're installing those heating systems from that, then I get it. It's coming from the National Transformation Fund. The National Transformation Fund that doesn't yet exist, I'm assuming. <laughs> will have to come from general taxation. And so money has to be put into that fund to therefore pay it out. And And I don't... Genuinely, you know, we have in the UK the oldest housing stock pretty much in the world. You know, if you go to America and a house is 10 years old, they knock it down and rebuild it. Because why have something old? And we really like our, you know, our bricks and mortar. And, and it's a really nice thing. You know, you walk down the street and there's some lovely houses. Um, the But what's wrong with what's wrong with allowing, giving people more access to, to interest rates are near ne- negative interest rates? Yeah. Near negative. I mean, near zero. That'd be awesome. Um, why not give people more products out? They encourage the finance industry to to offer long term low interest loans like they do in Germany. Yeah. Why have to give free, free interest? 
No, I, I, I'm absolutely on board with that as well. I think people are willing to take short and, and do it, low interest, but then loans. do it through, but then put the incentive somewhere else through council tax. Through yeah, I, th- I think. Let's remember that German um, energy prices have gone up massively in the past. But that's because so. that's because they, how do you say, copped up their <laughs> energy mix because they yes. one day just said, right, we just want to turn nuclear power off and go and go renewable, and they just had massive problems with the grid. But I, th- but I think as a concept, I think it's a nice idea. Yeah. But I think as as most manifesto ideas go, it hasn't been fully costed. They haven't really worked out where the funding's going to come from. Um, but they, you know, it'd be great for some uh, a government to do something because there are more and more people naturally falling into fuel poverty. So as wages, you know, aren't increasing massively, but energy prices are increasing. Um, that is a genuine issue so well, let, let's talk let's talk a little bit about fuel poverty go on then shall we so and harry can interject at times so basically in the uk we have um england scotland wales and northern ireland and from what i understand for the moment, for the moment <laughs> and from what i understand every home nation has got its own definition and statistics and way of, of measuring fuel poverty so concentrating on england for a second uh, the way so fuel poverty in England basically is a function of how much you, you so income, yeah, household income, I, I assume, yeah, um, the current price of energy, fuel, uh, so electricity and gas. I mean, is, these uh, th- those both go into it as well as the energy efficiency of your home because obviously that that affects how much fuel you're using. But the, but the government, as far as I can tell, are always trying to change the exact definition of it to take people out of fuel poverty. Well, so at the moment in England, what's interesting is that they define it as um, anyone that once you've paid your fuel bills, um, if you are below the poverty line, if your income is below the poverty line, then uh, you're in fuel poverty. And that's why in 2016, their numbers are about half easily the rest of the UK, about 11%, because the rest of the UK is using... Much stricter. The, the rest of the UK, although they're all slightly different, they all use variations on the idea that if a household spends 10% or more of their income on energy, they're in fuel poverty. Okay. There are variations on that in Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. But uh, do you want to guess the percentages of fuel poverty uh, in the most recent statistics we've got? Yes, I do. Wales? 18%. 23. Okay, this is a good game. Scotland? Mm. Higher. Uh, 27%. 35%. 35%. Jesus, wow. wet. So more than a third. That was from 2014, though. That was the that mm, was the okay. most recent one we could find. And, um, oh, Northern Ireland. Higher again. 42. Do you know, it's come down... In 2009, it was 44%. Now it's 22 And it, But that must be because they're redefining it. Yes, it is exactly because they redefined it. Um, so if you think about fuel poverty, we I'll, I'll link to um, an article we have on it. But if you hear about fuel poverty, just recognise that just because some country has a lower rate than another one, it does not mean necessarily that those people are paying less or those people are better off fuel-wise. Fine. And okay, so just moving, moving... So obviously we've talked about Labour there and their policy... Conservatives haven't really done anything yet, have they? Well, I haven't seen their manifesto yet, but um, they've obviously been critical of the Labour policy, and they've said, oh, it's, you know, what you've 
said it's not been costed yet and it will just add more burden to taxpayer and the energy user. They said it would wreck the economy and put up bills for hardworking families and prevent any real changes, uh, any real progress on climate change. Okay, fine. So we're, as soon as that comes out, listen, we'll, we'll talk about what their plan is. Um, so is there anything else you want to cover in that? Or are we going to go on to... We've got a good news story. This Actually, week. let's go... Uh, also, potentially good news, but but um, but could be quite expensive news story in uh, Bristol. Okay, go so on. So Bristol plans to ban all diesel cars in by 2021 in its sort of central district. Okay, so is that good news? Uh, <laughs> a well, new diesel car. So you have, you wouldn't be able to even drive the new a new diesel. I know, but a new you, diesel car is really efficient. Yes. So you'd be able to drive a car in central London if right. it's Euro six and then you, diesel, and but then not. You hit the outskirts of Bristol and you park up and you walk into town. That's it. Yeah. That sounds a really sensible idea. So I think initially it's going to be piloted out to um, private users, but the issue obviously is, you know, because. How rubbish would that be? If well, you drive a well, diesel it is, car it is and rubbish. you get selected in that pilot. Well, no, no. It's, it's rubbish if, say, you've got to drive someone to hospital or, you know. Well, you just do it and you take the fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's good news. I just think that is the worst news. <laughs> that's just so bad. You're such a pessimist. No, I'm not. Oh, come on. Imagine again, oh, you are involved in this pilot scheme and you drive a diesel. You'd be like, oh, no, but my oh, next door neighbour public transport, James, because I love the environment. Because I can't drive. But my next neighbour drives a di- <laughs> he drives a diesel, but he's a taxi driver and he gets exempt. Ah, uh, so there are exemptions. Yeah. That's so, cool. so maybe we'll have to see a rise in taxi registration. Should we do the, the real good news story? So yeah, that was you know it was Sorry, some I've, sort of story. I've, I've pissed on your good news story. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's a story that might drive more debate. That's that's why okay. I wanted to bring it up. Let's talk about. What's his name? Topher White? Topher White. Topher. He's American. Of course, it's Topher. Topher White. Um, so, Topher White is uh, the fella in charge of Rainforest Connect. And what he's doing is he is taking these old mobile phones. I've got, I don't know if I've mentioned I've got a new mobile phone. Oh, really? A um, new anyway, iPhone? No, Do you recycle your old mobile phone? Uh, I gave it to my mother and all. Anyway, so, uh, so he's basically he's taking these old mobile phones and he puts them on trees. And they have lots of little solar panels around them. And it kind of looks like a flower on a tree. It's quite a cool thing, so you should Google it. Um, but what it does is it, when um, illegal loggers get within sort of three kilometres of this thing, or it picks up illegal loggers within three kilometres, picks up the noises and sends messages to the rangers and that sort of thing. So they can then go and stop this illegal logging because 90% of logging in rainforest is illegal. So this guy is basically setting up these things, and as soon as it's done, it, then an alert gets sent out to the relevant people. Mm-hmm. They go and then prevent this deforestation, which I think is pretty cool. I think yes. it's a really nice idea to use yes. old mobile phones. It was, I think it was an interesting project because it was basically born from the fact that when you're out in those rainforests, then you, you can't call anyone, but they, a lot of them have really good Wi-Fi. Um, a really good, well, not Wi-Fi, 4G and yeah. um, uh, connectivity like that, and that's what that's what your old phones are using. And it's the you know I'm, I looked at how much. I not use my old phone. Well, I looked how much my phone would be to trade in at Carvo Warehouse, and uh, yeah, I think I told you four quid. Yeah, nice. So, so for the price of four quid, 
then you know you can you can um, help stop this uh, this illegal logging, which is a massive problem because you know deforestation accounts for about seventeen percent of global carbon emissions. It's the second biggest contributing factor after what, Nick? After what? Carbon. What's what's the worst thing for carbon? The worst thing. Oof, I should know this. Well, don't I imagine it's obvious, isn't it? I don't know. I'm guessing it's obvious. I think it's transportation. Yes. Yes. Well, that's what I'd have got. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah, no, nice. I I Um, genuinely didn't know that. I just, you know, just intuitive, you know. But anyway, right. So this this is a good news story. Go and have a look at Rainforest Connect. I don't know if it's rainforestconnect.com. It's rfcx.org. And they also have a really cool app, which I downloaded, because they, they have these phones now that listen to the rainforest. If you get their app, then you can listen to all the different, all the different rainforests that are set up in. You can listen to the live sounds of that rainforest. So, so you can be like, and... I want to listen to Borneo as I go to sleep. Live. Okay. Which is quite cute. Nice. I think it's Unless cute. there's a massive storm, in which case you won't go to sleep. Oh, no, that's quite, I quite like that. Okay, good. Uh, and that, that is our good news story this week. Has, yeah. has anyone got any other... Good news they'd like to share. I mean, have you, have you got any other classes? What about any other stories? We've got, I haven't got any. Well, we were just talking today about uh, about landlords putting cages in front of thermostats. Oh, oh my God, that is unbelievable. That's the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So, if you want to, I don't know, uh, not have the heating blast out at 30 degrees, then... Obviously, you want to have the access to your thermostat and then turn it down to something more comfortable, 80, 90. I haven't told my wife how to use our thermostat, so she just doesn't know. Uh, and so, It's also what most couples argue about. Yes, no, because we AK, just... AKA, like, our research. But no, she has no idea. So when she wants to turn on the heating, she has to call me. Because you can do it from your phone because you've got the... Uh, what do you have? Nest. Nest. And I mean, it's not difficult. She could Google it, but she hasn't. Well, this is what annoyed me about this story because Nick, you sent me and James a link to the story, and mm. uh, and I was I was looking at the the thermostat with the little cage over it, and it's a Perspex cage. It's a Nest thermostat. He can just control that from his phone. Well, obviously he can't because he would. De- yeah. I mean, <laughs> D- depends who's registered the app, you know, to the yeah thermostat. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's great. Mm. I mean, or he could just get an electrician to unplug it. But yeah, I mean, interesting tenants. Well, no, interesting landlords. Tenants, yes. fine. Yes. I wonder what the legality of it is. Well, but I guess it's sure. Been, it, I depends, think, I think. it depends who's paying for the energy bills. I think if the tenant is paying for the energy bills, then he can set whatever he wants. Yes. If the landlord is paying for the energy bills, then I guess it's up to them. I don't think it's fair. But you'd have to disclose that in an agreement, I would have thought, James, you know, that. As part of this, you know, temperature will be set between this and this. I and might that. do that at home. I might put our thermostat in the cage just in case Laura doesn't. She doesn't does even learn. know how to use it, Jay. Just in case she learns how to use it. You have a two-month-old but baby. But I tell you, <laughs> where landlord to tenant monitoring is good is is on some of the new air source heat pump and ground source heat pump systems that are used in multi-dwelling um, occupancy uh, social house social housing properties, for instance, because it allows. The, the tracking of how tenants use the um, use their heating systems. Mm. So if say tenants complain, oh, you know, my heating bill is really high this month, then I could go, well, look, well, actually, you set you set the heating up to 28, 29 degrees. You don't so need it's to. Your fault. Yeah. And guess what's happening tomorrow? I'm having my smart meters installed. It's a big day 
Smets, Smets too. Are you going Smets to too. document it? Uh, oh god, I wouldn't believe. It? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna film him. Selfie Wait, yourself. Selfie yeah. yourself. It. Um, I'm. Uh, oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be exciting. Oh, like you wouldn't believe. Do we talk about smart meters? No. Not now. <laughs> Not now. Uh, but. <laughs> but no, once I've got them, I can yeah. tell you how they work. Yeah. Anyway, right. That I think that's it for this week because we're just talking rubbish now. Uh, so we're going to do another one next week is the plan and we'll do a couple more for Christmas and then we'll take a break uh, and then and then we'll carry on in the new year so but that is it for this week and I'd like to say thank you for James uh, for putting a jumper over his obnoxiously neon shirt this week I would I would like to say <laughs> bugger off <laughs> anyway right guys thanks very much for watching bye, bye. now <laughs> <laughs>